0: Today's show, we're going to be covering some funny words that explain a lot of your behavior that you probably don't even realize. I'm starting to realize that the human creature, we're kind of a finicky group of people. So hang in there and we're going to learn about today. We're going to learn, you know, when you buy something and you want to buy more stuff because of that new shiny thing that you have, or, or how about the fact of that you, you wake up in the middle of the night and go, Oh man, I didn't, I didn't finish that task or Haven't you always heard the 80-20 rule? Don't you want to know where all that comes from and what it means to you and your finances? Stick around. We're going to cover all that and more in today's Money Guy show.
1: It's Brian Preston, the Money Guy, restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the
0: Money Guy. Oh, I'm so glad that they started doing behavioral finance. Why is that? Because, I mean, there's so many things. We've done shows in the past where we talked about sunk cost. Yep. We talked about recency bias. These are all things we've covered in in other shows where we talked about how we as humans have blind spots, things that are, that are totally keeping us from making the perfect decision. And we're going to be covering some of those, those things. Now, the, the sunk costs and the recency bias, those are things we've covered in the previous podcasts. Right. But these new ones, they have funny, funny titles. And, and, and you know, and it's we got inspired by the show because I always like to give, you know, kind of like um the storyteller side of the podcasting is now
1: now you know the rest well, yeah, of the Yeah, where where
0: did it all come from is that, you know, we have a, a client by the name of Kevin who's a friend of the show also who gives me all the greatest gadgets that I should be buying um for for my household and so forth. So he's he actually Adds to the, the Diderot effect that I'm going to be talking about in a minute. But he, he shared with us because we, we talk about all the time, toys begot toys. It's a, it's a saying we talk about when what we didn't realize is there's a fancy terminology for it. It is the, the Diderot effect. So I'll be covering what that means. We're also going to be talking about the, and none of these are, that's why I say funny words is because for a person who did much better on the SAT for mathematics than I did for English, this is always kind of like, uh, gymnastics for my tongue to say these type of things. So I have to write out all kinds of little cheat sheets, listen to YouTube to make sure I'm pronouncing them right. Um, then the Zigarnik effect we will be okay. covering that as well. And then last, of course, is the Prado principle. Um, before we jump right into all the, the behavioral stuff and these, these phenoms that impact your personal finances, this is the Money Guy Show. Go check us out, moneyguy.com. We work with clients 32 right now, 32 yeah. states. <laughs> Love if you, if you want to take your relationship to the next level, reach out to us. You can reach out directly to me at Brian, B-R-I-N at com or my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen at Bo at, Bo at com. I don't, I don't think it works if you put two ats in front of it, <laughs> but, um, we'd love to hear from you because it's, it's incredible that we keep reaching clients, um, all across the country from this podcast. That's not how it started. This was originally a passion project where I felt like I was trying to, to reach people and give away that free advice that I feel like wants to be free and needs to be shared, so it, it it's kind of snowballed from there and turned into something pretty incredible and 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 you know rightfully so. We, looking back at the show and listening to some of the things we do give give a lot of stuff away for free, Bo. And I think that that's the I've figured out though the the more years I'm on this planet, the more generous I am. It seems like the more generous things happen back to me. Don't don't give too much away, Brian, but. If you were a listener, listen to the show right now,
1: would you say that coming in the near future, The Money Guy Show will be giving more stuff
0: away for free or less stuff away oh, for I free? Oh, I keep hinting at it, and this all ties back. Guys, new new websites coming anytime now. It's just, life just keeps whooping us. I mean, I can't, I can't think of any better word to say than whooping us because um, we just get busy. There's a lot of good stuff going on, but... I can't wait for you guys to see it, but definitely free is your friend, and we're going to keep expanding upon seeing how generous we can be and seeing, you know, do we continue to be rewarded for that generosity. But kind of jumping into the behavioral finance side of things, this is, um, you know, I talk about it a lot when we get into behavioral is that what's the worst thing that happens to people with investing is that we always hear the adage, if you want to talk about the basics of being a good investor, you want to buy low, sell high, right? Why, what actually happens though, Bo? I think most people end up buying high and selling low. And, and why is that? What, what's driving them to, to, to do counterintuitive to what makes successful investing? Well,
1: unfortunately, we don't seem to be rational decision makers when it comes to financial decision making. We let our emotions get the best of us. When things are good, we get excited. And when they're bad, we get scared. It's called greed.
0: Fear and greed, right? Yeah, there, there are two things that motivate the human creature, and that is greed and fear. And, and that's what, you know, I hate that. I was just, I came in today. And I'm not even going to say which cable channel it is, but there's a cable channel that, you know, I get caught up watching all this presidential coverage, too. And whenever I watch this cable channel, the commercials just drive me crazy (laughs) between all the different seed banks, all the gold, um, the the catastrophic black swan newsletters that people are selling. I'm just... I don't know. You want, you want to watch a cable channel to catch up on what's going on in the presidential race. And then in between, you're looking for your razor blades because of all the crazy <laughs> fear mongering that's going on at all the commercial breaks. It, all that is, is those are, those are marketers that are appealing towards your fear. And it's right. the same reason the news media has kind of brought some of that upon themselves because it's always a tragedy. It's always an emergency. They have realized the more scared, the more fearful you are the more your eyeballs will stay glued on either their article, their newspaper, or their their T V channel. Right. So that that's what's driving a lot of that. So we try to here at the Money Guy Show to give you the tool set. So you can spot when you're trying to when somebody's manipulating or trying to manipulate, so you can make the best decisions with your finances as much as possible.
1: Or when you're even trying to deceive yourself and you don't even know it, which is kind of what the ditter-row effect oh, is. Oh yeah, oh
0: yeah, yeah. I, I definitely like us to look for the blind spots. You know, the, one of the things, Bo, um, we talk about. You came out of college w- during, right before the big collapse. Right. You yep. know, right before the, the the big financial collapse. So you kind of have a natural. Pessimistic bias, and, sure. and and then I came out of college in the mid '90s, where everybody was you know rocking and rolling and thinking, hey, twenty for twenty, right? We can get twenty percent for twenty years in a row. That that should be no trouble. And so I have this optimistic bias, and I'm still I still think eighty percent of the time it's great to be an investor. So we work on those. Those are what I call blind spots. So you have you have a bias towards kind of what you know and what you get educated off of, and it's amazing when we pick pick up brand new clients. What's the most important year for us? Always the first year. The first year. I mean, if you want, matter of fact, we had, we had some things going on at the office. We had, a, you know, some clients come by and see us just last week. And remember when we were talking to Mr. Davis? Yep. And um, we asked him, you know, what what was it like, because you've been working with us for over a decade now. And he said, I just remember how much you made me that first year. And, <laughs> and that's the worst thing I want to hear. He does, I know he thought that was a compliment. Right. But that actually breaks my heart because, you know, a lot of it we don't control. What happens that first year of investing? So let's jump into this first concept. Okay. The Diderot effect. Diderot effect. D-I-D-E-R-O-T. Bring that one up at your next, you know, company event. Right. Or if you're in high school, guys, and you're listening to this, maybe your parents talk to you. Pull that one out at the, the dinner table. Your parents, I'm telling you, that word is worth at least $7 additional in your allowance that week. So the Diderot effect is a pretty powerful word, which all it means is is that um, you buy something, you have the tendency to want to buy more. Um, it kind of leads to the the, the uh, an avalanche of consum- consumer spending and all kind of other things. So um, let's talk about where this came from. Sure. Uh, this, this term was coined by anthropologist Grant McCracken. That sounds like he ought to, you know, that's something like you're you're hunting the McCracken. But um Grant McCracken in 1988, and it's named after the French philosopher Denis Diderot, who descri- who first described the effect in an essay, this simple dollar blog. i got a blog that we'll link out to. They They did a great job, because if you, here's the thing, when you go and research the Diderot effect, here's the truth guys a lot of people are using this as the poster child for anti-capitalism but it's not i'm going to explain why it's not but i at least like that there was a blog out there that had a a pretty good historical you know told you what was going on what was leading to it so we'll give you a link to that but it's it's from an essay titled the regrets for my old dressing gown or warning to those who have more taste than fortune (laughs) is what he, he named as the the blog but how many times in your life do you come across
1: somebody who has way more taste than they have fortune?
0: It, there's, I mean, there's this whole new thing called status anxiety for people who have become very successful. And that's what ultimately, it's not an anti-capitalism thing. I think it's for people. Here's the thing. We've done so many podcasts on windfall people, people right. who come, whether you win the lottery, you inherit money. Those people typically, from a statistical standpoint, have a much higher level of failure then somebody who kind of starts at the bottom and right. now they're here and build up all, you know, all the, their own assets and so forth. When you inherit assets and you get that windfall, sometimes there are some bad things that happen emotionally and psychologically. And I think that's where it's not an anti-capitalism. I think that's kind of an extreme thing. I think it's just, it ought to be a cautionary tale to people who inherit things mm-hmm. through a windfall. Um, but what he talks about in that essay is that he has his gown and 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 if you want to know what happened to mr diderot um he he actually became sponsored by the royal family where he was at, like they were so impressed with some of his work and stuff they gave him a big windfall of money because he had pretty much most of his career been poor and Then, when he got this windfall of money, he went out and one of the first things he bought was his new gown that I guess he used to sleep in back right. in the old times. I guess it was important to make sure he had a fancy gown to sleep in well, as soon as he got the new gown. There was other things. It didn't match his house anymore. It didn't match his room. It didn't match, you know, all the other things that, so he kept buying yeah. and then, and then he looks back on his life and he goes, I'm not happy with any of this stuff. You know, he was trying to fill a hole, a void. And that's what led to the Diderot effect. <laughs> so how does this impact you and your, your personal finances? I think it has to do very similar. You go buy a new house or you go buy a new car, you go buy a new blouse or a shirt. All of them are, are building on the same thing. You know, you go buy a new house. All of a sudden, now you're upset with the drapes. Mm-hmm. You don't like. You think you need all new window treatments, new furniture. You, you need new furniture. You think about, oh my gosh, that towel bar just doesn't look good. You know, I need a fancy towel bar instead of that simple toilet paper yep. holder that I had in the old house. You know, you, you just it's a it's a, a, a an effect. It's the same way when you buy that shirt or blouse, you want to go buy new shoes. You know, it it, it leads you on this journey. And I think the way, if I could give you some planning advice on how do you how do you counter the, the the Diderot effect is that you pay yourself first. You become a disciplined investor. It's all about do you have a plan of action. You know, the, the thing we talk about a lot, Bo, is I like a pay yourself or a forced scarcity type situation. Now, that sounds so horrible because when you hear scarce, you think of resources being, you know, uh, things uh, being tight. plague or or something where things aren't happening, some catastrophic catastrophic event. It doesn't have to be like that for scarcity could just mean that you're going to make sure you're saving 15 to 20% for retirement that you're building up a cash reserves fund of 3 to 6 months and you're going to make sure every time you get that pay raise maybe if you got a you know a 6% pay raise you're taking 3 to 4% that's increasing on your savings and then you're only increasing your lifestyle 1 to 2% or somewhere in between that way you're reaching that successful and you're paying yourself first, and you're not letting life get ahead of you. Because it's always frustrating, I mean, whether you're looking at movies like Margin Call or so forth, it's amazing we hear people who are making, uh, say, over a million dollars a year, and then you find out they're broke at the first downturn. You realize that it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, a lot of people have discipline problems where they let their toys or their lifestyle kind of get ahead of them.
1: And where we see this sort of manifest itself the most, obviously we do financial planning for a living and we help high net worth folks make you know, make good financial decisions. Uh, we see it all the time where someone gets a big bonus at work or uh, there's some additional payout that comes. And so they kind of want to reward themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I've worked hard. I've earned this. I think now is the time I want to go buy the boat mm-hmm. or I want to go get my recreational Jeep or I want to do this thing, right? And all they're thinking about is the initial one-time outlay they're not thinking about the increased maintenance, the insurance, and all these other things that come along with it. So probably the easiest way to protect yourself from the Diderot effect, uh, and I, I I don't remember who it was, it was a genius personal finance guy who coined this, but if you want to make a financial decision, think about it for three days before you make it. So if you want to buy the Jeep, sit down, do a spreadsheet, three days later if you still want to buy it, then you go out and buy it. Same thing if you want to go buy the new outfit or shoes or whatever else. I know that's kind of old school, but I think that will help prevent you from getting caught in the moment and making a decision that maybe you're not quite ready to make that decision yet.
0: And my advice, if I was talking to to Mr. Diderot, though, about the whole, you know, he got his windfall and then he went and bought his fancy robe and then he went down this spiral of consumption, is I would have told him, and I tell anybody who inherits money who comes into lottery winnings or anything like that from a lump sum, go slow. You know, the first thing he should have done is maybe just go go have a small purchase, but then you sit on sit on things for six months before you make big changes. I think that's that's the biggest advice I could give somebody who comes into a windfall is go slow about it. Don't let anybody push in push you from an emotional standpoint to make very fast decisions that, that tie you into something you probably don't want to do in the long term. Um so let's transition to the concept number two. The, and this one is the one that I think I listened to it on YouTube at least four times to make sure I pronounced it correctly. And i probably still go slaughter because the YouTube video, she had a cool South African type accent. So not so sure that um, I'm even killing this, but I, I liked her accent so much I kept listening to it over and over again. But it's the, the Zygarnik effect. Um, this has to do with, and this happens to me all the time, and God bless having iPhones, iPads. It was funny cleaning out some stuff recently, Bo. I found my old, um, Palm Pilot. Huh. I found, you know, I had the Palm Pilot seven too. I had graduated and it was, you flipped open this antenna on it. I, I'm, we go set up a museum of technology because <laughs> I didn't trade anything in. It's kind of like my, my college, um, study material instead of selling it back you to the school. Kept I kept books. it because I thought I'm going to use this. So I, I got a little pack rat in me, but I found my Palm Pilot and I still thought that was incredible when I was able to start you know, having a systematic way to record what was going on in my life, to-do lists and so forth. And then, you know, the progression of that was the Treo phone. And then, Carter, you use, what's the thing you use, Evernote? Evernote. So there's all kind of ways that you can keep up with life. And what these these tools do for you is they help you because how frustrating is it you wake up at 3 in the morning and you go, oh, my goodness, I didn't call that client back. Or, oh, my goodness, you know, I didn't. I didn't complete that project that, that, you know, I didn't write that email back, you know, from two days ago. I can't believe I did that. And your brain, and what it is, is the human brain is much more likely to remember and hyper focus on something if the, the circle's not complete, right? If the task never finish itself. The human mind is strongly motivated to complete task or find closure. And that's why what's funny when they did, when they studied this effect is if you finish a task, and then they ask the person about details, your brain forgets stuff so much easier. It's kind of the same way when you're studying for an exam. I can cram my brain with about anything I want to, but as soon as that test is over and you reach the release point, you come back a week later, you might not retain as much as you thought just because y- your brain was trying to finish and find closure. So um and I want to tell you some things that you have to be careful of because of the the Zygarnik effect is that they—it's used all the time in entertainment as well as in marketing. And the fact of—if you—if you look at blog posts, websites, we need to figure this out, but we're horrible at this. Right. But clickbait, oh, you know, yeah. where people will type up a headline that's not complete just to get you to come and click on the trans, you know, and see what's going on. Why do also sitcoms have cliffhangers? Why they—they they make leave the storyline open every time. While you were on YouTube
1: looking up how to pronounce this effect. Uh, Over under, were there five different videos that you clicked on because the title was so compelling? Were there more than five or less than five?
0: I I mean, I'm I'm constantly being driven by clickbait. (laughs) I mean, I am. It's like that's why we call it the rabbit hole here at the office. I mean, I go to YouTube to go figure out something's pronounced, and there's four videos that it thinks I want to look at, and I'm like, oh, I do want to look at that. I do want to look at that. Yeah, (laughs) I want to see Justin Timberlake's new. Pre-video and then his real video. It's so funny how they, they put that stuff out there. It's just ridiculous. And you're, you're, you're not a good influence on that, by the <laughs> way, Bo. But um, let me give you the, the, the Webster definition of what the Zygarnik effect is. It says, it's the psychological tendency to remember an uncompleted task rather than a completed one. Um, and you know, one of the things I thought, you know, we did a podcast recently of the behaviors of super successful people, and, and guys, I was moved by that podcast when I read that article that, that inspired it, and the fact that I have been trying to practice, and I think I've scared the heck out of some clients when I write them emails at three in the morning or, or something like that, because when I try to only touch things once now, so if I read a, if I come across an email or come across something, instead of coming back to it later, I'm trying to complete task look at them once, complete the task and move on because I'm so moved by the, the Zygarnik effect, meaning that the human brain wants to finish the cycle. And then also the fact that it's more productive, more efficient. If you can just move on and let stuff get, get addressed. Um, this, how does this play into your personal financial life? How many decisions and how much stress do you cause yourself because you haven't done those new wills? Um, how much stress and other things, just because you're not updating those beneficiary designations or creating that three to six months cash reserves or making sure you're saving 15 to 20% for retirement. These are all things that you know you need to do, but you kind of procrastinate. Right. Procrastination is your enemy when it comes to kind of emotional stability and, and, and also setting up a great financial plan to reach success. So you, you kind of have to, if you can use the Zygarnik effect to kind of motivate you, um, to to just get more done, and then also get that success and that fulfillment of knowing that that task is truly completed.
1: And what I found is that not only does this kind of translate into sort of financial issues, Brian. You know, we talk about like for emails, just touching them once. Uh, even in the home life, what I found, you know, at least at my house, uh, one of the two co-leaders in my house uh, has this. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Has Co-leader. this propensity to, uh, uh, she? Well, I won't say if it's a he or she. But this person will eat, you know, eat a, you know, get some food out and eat a dish and, uh, she might not wash that dish immediately. And so we kind of get this glut of dishes building up in the sink. We've been trying at my house to talk about this, this principle in effect that rather than letting those build up, we should just go ahead and take care of them in real time, knock out those dishes. Uh, and that's gone swimmingly well at my household.
0: Does that mean you're washing her I'm dishes? I'm washing all the dishes now. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I heard is time. that you're washing all of her dishes is what I heard. So as long as whatever makes you guys happy, I think that, <laughs> that's, that's, right. and it's, it's, it's sweet that you said co-leaders. <laughs> that's really sweet. But the last principle, but kind of as we close the show out is, and we've all heard this, but we always hear it called the, the 80-20 rule or the, but it's the Prado, the Prado principle. And what this has to do with is that they found out that 20% causes 80% of the results in a lot of different things. Whether you're talking about income distribution, whether you're talking about sales versus revenue, it's not uncommon that you know, you'll know you see 20% of your business generate 80% of your revenue. Or you'll figure out that you know 20% of your high maintenance clients are taking 80% of your productivity yeah. there's all yeah. kind of different things um healthcare costs you'll find out that 20% of patients are are consuming 80% of the resources right. it, it, these there's all kind of different ways that the the Pareto principle has been tested and it, it's it's something that that's it's kind of unique and there's you go on youtube you can go down a rabbit hole and see all these people trying to scientifically explain how this effect occurs and this principle, why it is what it is, with paper clips and all other cool experiments. But here's what I want you to know from this principle for your own personal finances: is that a lot of times we get busy doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about where you're spending your time personally, you you, you might realize that you're focusing on the wrong things. You you're, you're spending your wills. You you're super busy. You always feel like you're you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. But the but you just can't catch up, get get enough done. And that's why I would use the Pareto principle to actually help you focus. If you could sit down and write down some of the big major things going on in your life that you need to focus on, figure out what the top 20% are, the things and those, that 20% is probably going to have a much more material impact Mm -hmm. on on the results that you're trying to seek in your personal finance situation. It'll keep you going, it'll keep you where you're not waking up in the middle of the night, you know, if we wanted to combine some of these principles. But that's really the best thing you could look at. Try to focus on that important stuff.
1: And another thing that that we've seen be very successful, some of the clients that we work with, is uh, we have clients who have a number of, you know, long-term financial goals like retirement or intermediate goals like college or even short-term goals like uh, remodeling the house or painting the walls or whatever that may be. If you can sit down and make a list kind of of your short-term goals, your intermediate-term goals, your long-term goals, focus on how the decisions you're making now will allow you to achieve each of those goals specifically. So if you know that you want to remodel the house in the next year, what are the decisions you're making now to sort of build that budget? So that way you don't get lost spending money in places that you don't want to spend it. You actually have a cohesive plan in place where you're working towards that 20% thing that actually matters to you.
0: I thought it was interesting. It was probably completely coincidental. But what is the percentage we tell people they need to be saving of their after-tax money?
1: We always say 15 to 20% with a shot for 20%. Yeah,
0: so if you hit 20%, think about this, just how, how beautiful the world works in a Seinfeld-type way. If you can save 20 if you start young enough saving 20% of your after-tax income, you know, you get to count, count your retirement savings on things like your 401K, and, and all that goes into the mm-hmm. calculation. But you truly can have true financial independence where if you'll just take 20% of your income, it will set you up for life. I mean, and that's, that's amazing if you think about that in terms of the Pareto principle of you could take a, it, it's a material amount, don't get me wrong, 20%, is, but it's it's still, it's not the majority. It's less than 50%, but if you can take that, that pack enough nuts in the squirrel hut, you know, you will be set up. For the future, and I just thought it was kind of coincidental. As we talk about the 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. if you can take that focus on what's important, tying into what you were just talking about, too, Bo. If you you know if somebody's in their their late forties, fifties, and they're starting to daydream, what is you know what's the vision plan? What does happiness look like for me? Is it traveling more? Is it you know taking three days off work? You know because I don't really want to retire, right. or maybe it is straight up retirement. Look at those. Put down those prioritize those goal lists exactly what you were talking about, and then focus on that twenty percent that really is going to get you there and don't let that eighty percent minutia of life throw you down. I mean that, that's the problem. I, I look at sometimes, you know, all the things we focus on, you know, where I'm worried about, oh goodness, that sprinkler head is not twisted right in the yard. When that doesn't really I mean, right. yes, I can get that fixed, but that's that's not going to be the same thing as going and getting my wills updated, which sure. could really have a material impact, or going and buying that term life insurance for my family. Those are such easy tasks that will definitely have the Pareto, you know, principle effect where they will, those 20% of decisions can impact well over 80% of the results that I'm looking for if I want to make sure my family's taken care of. So guys, I know that the, I love these type of shows where we focus on things you might not have even realized about yourself, because so much of finance is behavioral. Believe me, that's what I love. About this whole career field that we're in is that I love analytical stuff. I come from a public accounting background and I love the jigsaw puzzle of creating financial plans, you know, investment allocations and, you know, making sure we're minimizing taxes and things. But at the end of the day, it's also cool that outside of the analytics, we get to get into this, this information that's out here in the ethos. I mean, a lot of it's this art is and just, science, right? it, it is behavior. It is, is understanding the way the human being operates and looks at the world. I mean in this stuff, that's what's so funny to me is that you look at all these studies that come out where the average person can't come up with a thousand dollars. You look at, you know, why do people, why when you watch the cable news channels, do they have all that fear mongering going on? And you realize there's a lot more at play here than just the nuts and bolts of what numbers I need to have my retirement plan work for me. So if you can if I can hopefully give you the analytics of making good financial decision, but then also sprinkle in here this behavioral stuff. Guys, we're going to make you kind of like superheroes on, on, on saving for the future. You know, as, as we had a listener write us probably three or four years ago. He said he's a, what did he say, he was a mutant?
1: A financial mute, a mental financial mutant. I want to
0: make you guys, I've always remembered that email and I hope he still listens to the show because it really inspired me because we are mutants. I mean, if you're listening to a financial podcast, do you realize how successful you're going to be by just being nerdy enough that you want to take and use this free information for yourself to grow your assets? Don't let anybody pick on you. They're just going to be jealous. That's what when my dad, when I was growing up, he used to tell me anytime somebody picked on you, just jealous. And I don't know. I think it was a coping mechanism, but it worked. <laughs> and look at that's what the thing. If you can save for the future, plan for the future, you're going to be in a better place. So go check out moneyguy.com. We're here to help out. If you want to take your relationship to the next level, we just feel so blessed that we get to come into your life every other week and share this stuff. Um, just connect with us. Um, You can write Bo at Bo at MoneyGuy.com, or you can write me directly at Brian at MoneyGuy.com. And, of course, we'll be back in two weeks, still going beyond common sense and trying to help you restore order to your financial chaos. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management.
1: Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and
0: Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.